leaders and force multipliers. Thank you for all your support. Last week, we released the second edition of our book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier, and we hit Amazon's number one bestseller. We could not have done this without you. It would also be greatly appreciated if you could give us a review. This helps us get the reach and the book into the hands of the founders and force multipliers that need it the most. Coming soon, we are also opening our door to our new founder and force multiplier community. We are so stoked and we are looking for 50 founding members to not only get a lifetime of membership perks, but also be our strategic partners and help us beta test for a full launch by the holidays. Let's talk about executive presence, baby. This is an area of focus that has predominantly been a bit, I would say, understudied and not really talked about in great detail. Executive presence isn't something that's easily identifiable, and it's usually confused with leadership attributes, thus incorrectly classifying it most of the time and very hard to sort of conceptualize and figure out how to put action plans towards it. So that is something that you can build up. Today, that's exactly what we are gonna do. We are going to dive into what exactly does executive presence mean and what are some steps that you can take to build up your own executive presence. It's a lot deeper than you think. What is interesting is that up until 2014, the term executive presence wasn't actually even coined. In the book, The Sponsor Effect by Sylvia Ann Hewlett, which by the way, shout out and kudos to that book. It really changed my life as a young executive. That was the first time the term was actually coined. Look, executive presence is highly intuitive. It isn't something that you can put, or nor is it fair, to put an absolute metric to identify if an individual has executive presence. It is an observation and really an analysis of an individual over a period of time put in different situations and scenarios to see how they react, influence, communicate, make decisions, keep their poise, and so much more. I'm going to reference a stat that says, in fact, up to 51% of HR practitioners state that it is difficult to define executive presence but 81% say it is easy to spot. Now, that's also, I mean, I, I'd like to challenge that because usually individuals that have, I would say, maybe a little more of an influential personality, have very strong uh, communication skills or can stand up and present really well, usually get misunderstood with executive presence. And unfortunately, also appearance is a big misrepresentation of executive presence. You can be very well dressed, uh, have a demeanor about you and come into a room and give a speech and leave everybody speechless and leave. And that can be misunderstood as having great executive presence. That is one of many facets of what executive presence truly is. Unless you have seen that same person that has that I would say, you know, strong presence on, let's say, stage or in front of a presentation or in front of a big group um, in situations that challenged them or in situations that were flustering. Um, how did they keep their poise? Uh, how did they make decisions when, you know, things were not going the way they deemed them to go? Uh, there's sort of a broader and deeper analysis of what executive presence is. And it's very important to be self-aware 
when you want to develop and grow and really build, or even when you're teaching and coaching others to develop their executive presence. In The Founder and the Force Multiplier, and a little you know plug here, go check out the second edition of our book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier. In the book, we define executive presence as executive presence is an amalgamation of confidence, poise, clear and concise communication, reliability, vulnerability, and strength. So the pillar, the pillar of the definition, what that means is really gravitas. Gravitas is a word that comes straight from Latin. Among the Romans, gravitas was thought to be essential to the characteristics and function of any adult authority. That maybe is really where the real origination of executive presence came from. Gravitas is the sum of the weight of your personality and the confidence you exude in your demeanor. It is the ability to act decisively and with dignity while embodying the most quintessential elements of leadership. And I know I'm throwing a lot of words here and we're gonna dive into what all this means. It is important to remember before we dive into all that, that gravitas is not inborn. It is carefully cultivated skill that takes years of experience and really being self-aware and developing truly on the areas that need development and experiences that pivot thought processes and so much, so much to it. And we're going to dive into this. Before we dive in, let me ask you, let's take a little bit of a gravitas test. While you're sitting there listening to this, I want you to ask yourself these questions that I'm going to ask you. And if you check all of them to yes, you probably are on your path to a very strong gravitas. I've already accomplished it. If a lot of them you're questioning like, well, I really think about myself, that is an area of development because when X situation happens, I sort of react this way. Here are the questions. Do people take you seriously? Does your word hold value in the workplace or amongst peers? Is your perspective respected and valued? Are you entrusted in decision-making and when decisions are made or influence is provided, direction, is it received with respect? Do you exude confidence and a capable persona? And you sort of now see where I'm going with all this. So next we'll talk about how to actually cultivate this gravitas and we'll talk about some key characteristics and then actions um, towards those characteristics. And throughout this podcast, we're actually a bit agnostic to founder or force multiplier because depending on your situation, your scenario, and where you are, all this actually benefits all. Towards the end, I will specifically talk about why it's important for force multipliers to have that executive presence as well as leaders. One of the main characteristics we're going to talk about is really understanding the importance of poise, maintaining that dignified, self-confident manner in one's exposure is so important. When things are under fire, are you calm? Look, even if internally you are developing on this and your you know, reaction is usually more emotional maybe, you know when you've reached that point where you learn from that. And whatever phase you're in, it is important 
to really be purposeful when things are under fire to be the calm in that fire. When there is chaos that you try to bring lead and bring order to the chaos. When you know that your your value that you hold at the table when you are in I would say a composed mind is the same when things you know are at array. And I think these are very important characteristics that we all continually work on. And as a founder, a leader, an executive, that is what is going to heighten the impact of what a leader can do. And as a force multiplier, having that capability and that poise will help build trust with your founder and executive. It'll help you have a voice and your voice be valued. Uh, the ability to really be at the forefront and lead uh, during times that a leader is needed. And it's so important um, in all aspects. <laughs> I'm gonna touch on another important quality. It is so important to embody confidence. However, do not misrepresent this confidence with arrogance. And that is where in all individuals, whether leaders or force multipliers or working up towards either and or anyone in any, any setting really, really understanding uh, and looking at yourself and realizing when you are either being arrogant or really going in there for the win, or, you know, you have to be right. <laughs> I'm chuckling because we've all been there. I'm not perfect, trust me. And what's the equivalence of, you know, in sports, uh, when you, you call somebody a ball hog, I guess in the business world, it would be an air hog. You know, when someone just tries to take over the room and just talk for the sake of talking because they feel like that is how they bring value. Um, those things all lead to really not good qualities to have overall and things that should be worked on. It's okay to be self-aware, but it also isn't really the true definition of confidence. Confidence really comes from a wide array of knowledge that comes from multitudes of avenues and observations of how others maybe functionally think about things, how decisions are made, um, learning from those with experience that, you know, make decisions or keep poise in times where you have not felt that you could do that. That all actually in turn all equates to and leads to having confidence. Um, and that that's very important to, you know, note. And this all leads to having a transformational mindset, being purposeful, about when you are assertive, when to be inquisitive, when to be silent, silent but purposeful and present. There's a difference. And as a leader, the impact of a leader that has such a transformational mindset usually leads to a very disruptive and evolutionary company because you're driving idealization and new ways to do things and just efficiencies overall. And the, the impact, you know, is tenfold. Um, for force multipliers, you know, having that sort of mindset shows growth, shows continuous evolution professionally and personally that, you know, enhancing the way you make decisions, the way you react to certain things, um, how you carry and build your confidence, all leads to ways to grow in your career, and have 
the same value and impact when you speak and the decisions that are being made by you are being taken well. Uh, it helps force multipliers in so many ways, mainly to have a seat at the table and really drive the change that's needed to be driven. And this all takes you know, strong communication, the ability to have strong verbal mannerisms and articulation, your body language. I mean, 80% of your communication is nonverbal. Um, trust me, I even had to go through this because I'm very expressive with my hands. And, you know, sometimes it can seem like, because I'm also loud, I'm shouting and pointing and you, know, have, to, you have to be self-aware on actions that even if you don't mean them to be a certain way, can be perceived a certain way. Um, and that all leads to having an elevated state of consciousness where you're, you know, aware of surra your surroundings and how people are reacting to news and change and maybe even just, you know, the business as usual. And just having that, you know, self-awareness and surrounding awareness is, you know, very critical to all these things. Most importantly, you cannot fake it. Executive presence is not fate. And that is why it is in many teachings, you know, taught that it is cultivated. Having the ability to be real with yourself and really understanding the areas you need to work on, putting actionable and methodical steps will eventually help you cultivate these attributes. Now let's talk about some actions that can be taken. Laid really well in the Founder and the Force Multiplier book in relating to force multipliers, elevating and building and taking action to really grow that executive presence. The first one, which I really love, is developing your personal and professional vision. That's right, personal and professional. It is very important to not sort of dismiss your life because your work isn't your life. Your work is integrated and part of your life. So having a holistic vision on your life really helps drive a little more clarity and focus around your profession. Um, so taking the time to really figure that out and hone in, as it says in the book, on your elevator pitch gives you that clarity and sort of awareness of what needs to develop to get to your goals and where you want to be within you know, the spectrum of your life, which includes your profession. Um, when you're clear on where you're going, what you're going to say yes and no to, you're really gonna start earning a lot of respect because you understand, one, it'll start helping you build some boundaries, um, which you know are, are so important. When you're a force multiplier, that you, you tend to take on a lot. Um, and you tend to take on a lot from many different angles. And so you naturally want to gravitate towards helping and you know you end up having it's, it's too, you end up having too much on your plate. And having that clarity helps set expectations, helps you not only deliver initiatives, expectations on time, but also helps you determine how to leverage the resources needed and build the project or initiative or the strategy around the initiative that needs to be executed on. Um, you'll earn the respect, you know, of everyone around your circle in that way. And it's such a, it's such a good way to bring that clarity. I mean, the impact is great. I love this piece uh, in the book. It's just very well written. It says it will give you the language to clearly articulate who you are, what you do, where you are going, and the impact you're going to make on the world. Now, this is not easy. Definitely a lot easier said than done but really working on strengthening your self-awareness. And I know, I know it's easy to say, oh, no, that's so difficult, but give yourself a chance, right? It's really important. 
And there are many ways that this can be done. Now we know it's really important to be self-aware because knowing how you show up at your best, how you communicate, how you receive information, how you react when you're under stress and being aware about it helps you be purposeful on your actions and the things you're working on and how you're developing as well. And overall, the want to be better and do better is there. And self-awareness helps us, you know, as a guideline and a blueprint on how to get there. You know, it's not easy, of course, to just, as we said before, just go and be like, here are all the things I need to work on. It's important to receive feedback, right? And there are many channels that, you know, you get feedback from, but, you know, you can take a behavioral and personality assessment. Um, you know, there are so many out there um, that are great and that, you know, really, you know, surprisingly, even the online free ones like the, you know, Meyer Briggs and so forth, DISC, um, you just learn so much. And I'm just like, whoa, that's a little scarily like me. Um, and then you can always dive into them. You can always even pay for them. I always felt that having 360 reviews were amazing. Um, I did at one point, you know, in my career work, um, and when I initially, you know, became a leader or manager, I wanted to get more of an idea of what the perceived, you know, way of the, what I was doing, you know, was to my team. Um, and there was no, you know, 360 process at that time. And so, you know, I was, I had created one, I gave it to HR and I was like, Hey, here's like a survey that I want to give to my employees. And, you know, they were great about it and they actually developed the process. And, you know, sometimes it takes, uh, you may wanting to make the change. There, there are just so many other ways, um, you know, asking for direct feedback, uh, having one-on-ones. I mean, if you're a force multiplier, definitely, you know, um, have one-on-ones, not only with the leader that you um, support, but also um, your peer group, um, you know, other members of the leadership team that you support because, you know, force multipliers do span across a multitude of um you know, cross-functionally who they touch and who they impact and who they work with and how they gather information and how they, dis they disseminate and communicate the vision and um, direction and, you know, so forth. Now, being self-aware is really the core and the foundation, as we all know, to really work on the areas that we need to develop and grow and evolve in personally and professionally. It's very important to cultivate an exceptionally strong communication skills. And we know for leaders, that's important as it states in the Founder and Force Multiplier book, it allows leaders to help cast the vision, provide clarity and direction and remove roadblocks. Uh, force multipliers whose you know, most important job is to help their leader accomplish these objectives. All of this boils down to strong communication skills. And you know, this sometimes is misrepresented as having you know, strong, presentation, maybe um, communication or standing on stage and be able to give a speech. Yes, that is definitely holistically. If you reach that level, that is a great level to strive at. But there are so many great communicators that are not standing on stage every day and speaking. Um, there are different methods of communication and understanding your audience and which methods and mediums of communication are appropriate when actually is the core to being a strong force multiplier. There are many ways to actually work on, you know, taking the actions to build on those communication skills. Um, I think listening is so important. Really listen. And I, I chuckle because we've all sort of been there when someone's talking and we are already creating the response in our head, right? 
or where there is a decision-making process happening, maybe unconsciously or unconscious bias kicks in and you have a certain decision that you are very determined is gonna be made. And what that does is it restricts from actually being aware of how you know you are being reacted to and also helps sort of hinder you know things like open communication and providing um, you know various uh, viewpoints and looking at things from different perspectives. Um, so definitely listening is is so important. Also being observant. Be observant as to when you give direction, how is it taken? You know, are there questions that always come back that are you know sort of a common trend? Right. Be aware of this, and then maybe that helps you determine. Okay, next time when I communicate on X. I need to provide this metric because, you know, that seems to be a constant concern or issue, right? And so being, being aware of that and course correcting and continually improving are really actually kind of small ways to build on an impactful, massive change, you know, in communication style. Who you are talking to matters. And um, really be purposeful when you are speaking. Understand who you're speaking to. Um, you know, there are individuals that you've known for a long time that you're more comfortable with because, you know, you understand each other. But, you know, someone that you have recently met may not understand you well enough and may perceive your action um, in, you know, the wrong way. So being mindful of things like that and being self-aware of what you may portray differently. For example, um, you know, I, I said this um, prior to, but because I'm louder and I speak with my hands, I am now, and although I'm not doing it on camera, uh, but when I am looking at somebody or speaking with somebody, I am actually a lot more purposeful now and I, I was not before. But really working on these you know, things matter. Body language is, I think it's so, it's so funny because it's almost like the easiest thing to work on, yet the hardest thing to work on. You know, there are universal signs that depict different perceptions, even if you don't mean it. Like, you know, I have a habit of always crossing my arms, but you know, when you are in a setting where you are fostering an environment of open communication and feedback and channeling, um, you know, all those ideas together as a team, you know, sort of crossing your arms is, you know, a sign that you're, you know, blocked from that. Um, and you probably, there's no intention behind that. And um, also understanding, I would say, you know, just strength wise, culturally, what different, um, you know, a body languages mean and how it's taken, but that perceived body language is very important to work on. Of course, you know, being self-aware helps with that, getting the feedback um, directly, you know, or indirectly through, you know, different avenues by gathering uh, other people's perspectives really helps, you know, build on all these points, right? Um, and that's, and, and these are just simple ways that really develop, you know, communication over time and really strengthen the way you present yourself in you know, the way you communicate. I think one of the most important actions to take that it's hard, it's hard to just get up and do, and that's really working on developing confidence. Now, all the other things, you know, we talked about like being self-aware and working on your, you know, communication and body language and really being, uh, you know, developing, um, you know, core skills and so forth. That all, of course, leads to confidence. But in order to actually work on getting that confidence and getting that experience, you have to get a bit uncomfortable and be okay with the outcomes. Because when you take on new skills or when you, you reach yourself and challenge your scope 
or you take on complex situations and it's the first time you've sort, sort of taken a situation like that, you have to accept the outcome that there may be a possibility of you not being successful. And that acceptance is very important because that acceptance now allows you to create an analysis, right? Very methodically um, and objectively. In that way, you're able to then put the actions needed to improve upon them. And then in perpetuity, you see how you're sort of compounding on that growth and um, that development and you ga start gaining more confidence and it shows. In the book, it says, in fact, if you don't take the risk from time to time and push yourself, you are never going to fully realize what you're capable of. And it takes practice. And that really is le like leaning into being uncomfortable in moments and that you can figure anything out. Um, and it's and people around you will appreciate it. Your leaders will appreciate it because you are going the extra mile to continually evolve, grow, and really show your willingness to try and ability to get things done. Um, that is executive presence. And we talked about, you know, owning outcomes. And so owning that failure and also owning your successes, it goes both ways. Um, it's not just about owning failures, but also recognizing the things that you are succeeding in and the impacts that you are making and what really constitute to success and really, you know, giving yourself that hand clap um, and self-promotion on your own personal wins because, you know, that's what keeps us motivated to continually evolve. Obviously, as you begin to push boundaries, um, you're going to make those mistakes, right? And really the best leaders are vulnerable and transparent when they make wrong decisions and, you know, follow through with, you know, actions and next steps. And that's really what sets the stage for having that executive presence and developing into great leaders. So the last action that I'm going to leave you with is building on your leadership capital. I love this term in the book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier. Leadership capital is similar to political capital in that it is the accumulation of resources and power built through relationships, trust, goodwill, and influence between various stakeholders. Um, that's exactly how it's stated in the book, and I love how it's written. So eloquent. These are areas to really focus and work on, and there are so many benefits, especially for, I mean, for founders and for force multipliers. But building the power of relationships, having the right, you know, strategic partners and really leveraging the resources that build for, you know, holistic and diverse teams, understanding where shortcomings are and having the vendors or the, you know, teams that will help fill and build, you know, sort of an amplified effect. Like these are really simple ways because it'll, you know, make your life easier. But um, there's so many ways to go about this and build those relationships and seek um, those expertise and skills um, that are needed. You know, trust is such a core principle just in life. You know, being open and getting feedback helps build on trust because when you're getting feedback and you're realizing that you may have had right intentions for certain things or maybe made an assumption that everybody knew since something happened, 
right? Um, a project is delayed, but you may just be making that assumption, but you don't know how they are taking it, right? They might, might be taken as, oh, you know, individual X is not really communicating um, and providing status updates. And we are not feeling, you know, that we're receiving all of the issues that are happening with the project, right? That is not what you, that's counterintuitive to what you're intending to do. So it's very important to be open, to communicate, to receive feedback, to own the feedback, to take action and continually develop. You know, I think we said this at the beginning as well, building those boundaries and expectations on deliverables and, um, you know, the length of initiatives or strategies that need to be put in place um, or just, you know, simple tasks that need to be done or, you know, whatever it may need. Um, but building that clarity and expectations helps on time, you know, expectations and delivery, which, uh, you know, constitute to building more trust. Um, same thing with open communication, right? That you're, there's always openness and, you know, the feeling that you know exactly what's happening at all times. And, you know, that helps build on influence and uh, building that leadership capital is so important. And you can start small. Really, you can start small. Um, it doesn't take, you know, as anything in anything you're trying to do, like taking big leaps, unless, you know, sometimes maybe it's necessary. But generally speaking, Right. Um, really creating a chance for yourself and creating the window of opportunity and starting small. Um, these micro habits lead to bigger impacts. And, you know, I think that's very important when you're trying to develop and grow and, you know, set these expectations and these realities and these wins. So you continuously, um, you know, grow and evolve. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate all of your support and can't wait to hear about your own success stories. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest podcast episodes and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We have a lot of exciting news coming through before the holidays, including the launch of the second edition of the book and the unveiling of our founder and force multiplier community platform. We are super stoked about all the new things coming through. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you back here next week.